Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor Tyson Harold, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you for being with us this morning, whether here or online, we're glad you're, you're joining in with us today. And recently I came across an article of uh, phrases or words you'll only understand if you're from the Midwest and thought I would share some of those with you today, see if you can understand them and uh, see what they're saying. But uh, the first phrase, uh, if you'll know from the Midwest, is to run the sweeper, run the sweeper, which is essentially vacuuming, but in the Midwest we, we've changed it to be that. The next phrase is because we're so busy and alliteration is hard, it's just come with, right? Uh, come with, we don't know where, or would you like to come with me? So we just shortened it to come with. This third one, see if you can catch this one, it's jeet. And uh, that is short for did you eat or do you want to eat? Jeet yet? We just we are so busy, we got to shorten these words up. Uh, the next one's op, which is a mix of uh-oh and sorry. Uh, together, which is just, oh, like, get, let me get past you or sneak past you. And then the last one is, how you doing? And if you are familiar with this Midwest phrase, this is how this works. I ask, how you doing? And you say, fine. And then you ask, how am I doing? And I say, fine. And then we go on our merry way throughout the rest of our day and just hope that no one ever answers that phrase in a transparent and genuine way. Because if they do, you know you're going to have to take a break for a minute and listen to whatever they want to tell you. And so in the Midwest, we've just accultured ourselves to, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. And we're all good. But the problem is, is we're not all good. And over the past several months, since the beginning of the year, we've been in the book of Acts. But we want to take a three-week break for the next three weeks and talk about the fact that we're not okay. If we're being honest, there's something going on inside of all of us, and there's parts of our lives that we're just not okay. Now, while it may be true for the phrase, how you doing, you may be okay at the moment. You're breathing, um, you're upright, you're doing everything you need to do. And the reality is there's something going on. And we love to blame it on the pandemic. We love to blame it on the fact of the season of life, like we're just really busy, right? So if you ask me how I'm doing, I'm probably going to respond with busy. I have three kids. They're all doing separate things. There's only two of us, and so we're busy. We'd love to blame it on all of those things. But in reality, there's probably something deeper inside of us that we've buried down deep and we don't want to deal with. And if we're going to be honest, there's something that we're all facing. Today, I want to tackle one of those particular issues. To be honest, I'm not feeling the love specifically around forgiveness. And there's unforgiveness that dwells inside of us sometimes, and it will eat us away. To be honest, we don't feel like forgiving. Now, we all like forgiveness when it's applied to us, right? That's what all of last weekend was celebrating. Jesus Christ paid for our sin to be forgiven on the cross. We, he uh, conquered sin and death at the grave, and we love to talk about that kind of forgiveness. But when we have to extend that forgiveness to others, we usually have a list of qualifiers and rules about why we don't have to forgive somebody. And I have heard a number of them over the years about why I don't have to forgive someone. And so if we look at Scripture, we see that's just not the case. A lot of times we don't even realize we need to forgive someone. I was studying and getting ready this week and was praying one morning, and all of a sudden it was like a lightning bolt from heaven came and hit me, and it was like, you've not forgiven so-and-so. And 
I was not expecting that. To be honest, it shocked me. I had thought I'd moved well past that. And so forgiveness is something that we like to talk about. We just don't like to do it. Let me give you a definition of forgiveness just so we're all on the same page. This is Webster's version. It's a conscious decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you. And here's the key. Regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. Forgiveness is not contingent on another person. You get the opportunity to potentially forgive them. Or here's an easier one that I have appreciated this. I read this years ago. Forgiveness is me giving up the right to hurt you for hurting me. I'm going to give up that right to those feelings of resentment and that pain. And what happens is, is that for so many of us, we forgot that this is even an issue. We are trusting that Jesus Christ forgave us of our sins. We love that. We love to sing about that. But the problem is the Bible, because if you read it much further than that, you'll start to see that forgiveness appears in every single book in the New Testament, or at least the concept of it. You see, the Gospels certainly lay out forgiveness. You see Paul in his letters lay out forgiveness. You see Peter in his letters lay out forgiveness. And so it's one of those things that we love to talk about, but it's so difficult to do. Colossians in in chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says this, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then he throws it in like just happenstance. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's this idea that we are going to have to deal with or to bear with difficult people. You probably live with difficult people. You probably work with difficult people. And Paul's instructions to the church in Colossae are to bear with those, and if you have a grievance with them, to deal with that and to forgive as the Lord forgave you. So forgiveness for the Christian is an expectation. It's not something that we just get to pick up. There's, in the rest of Colossians chapter 3, there's not a list of qualifiers like, if they said this about your mom, don't forgive them. No, that is not in there. If they did this to you, don't forgive them. And that's what makes it so incredibly difficult. And what happens is because there's no qualifiers for forgiveness and because to not forgive in essence is a sin, to forgive is a decision that you have to make. And you have to make it often and it is not something that just, oh yeah, I did that one time and I'll never have to do it again. You see, part of the reason that we're not okay is that we're hanging on to unforgiveness. Somebody said it this way, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right? We all laugh at that and are like, that's ridiculous, but yet that's what we do. And so we bury it deep down, and then it shows itself usually at the most inopportune time. When you're having a discussion with one of your kids or you're talking with a friend over coffee and suddenly all this pain and all this resentment wells up to somebody who really never hurt you in the first place, it's just they get the expression of all of that. And so I think one of the things that's so helpful to think about, especially for those of you who are Christians today, is is there any area of unforgiveness in my life that I probably need to let go of? Because if you don't, If you Google forgiveness or unforgiveness, the first page gives you definitions and a couple articles. You get to the second page of the Google search, and you start to see where there's study after study after study of unforgiveness, what it does to your physical well-being. So it's a bigger deal than just what we're told to do as an expectation. It actually eats away at the inside of you to the point where you can't do what God has called you to do. There's three obstacles to 
forgiveness that I want to share with you today. And then I want to share an account from the Old Testament that will hopefully help this uh, make more sense. The first obstacle to forgiveness is that forgiveness is not condoning. One of the reasons we struggle to forgive is we think, well, if I forgive that person, then I'm agreeing that what they did was okay. And so we say, I'm not going to forgive them because if I forgive them, then it takes away my right to hurt them for hurting me. And so we hold on to that. It becomes an obstacle. The second obstacle to forgiveness is forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation happens after forgiveness. And by the way, it doesn't always happen, unfortunately. There will come a day, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, when all things will be made right. But for today, Paul says in Romans 12, 18, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Sometimes if you're in a disagreement with somebody, you're doing everything you can to make it right. And they're like, nope, don't want anything to do with it. Paul says, look, if it's possible for you, do everything you can to live at peace with everyone. But sometimes it's not possible. And so one of the obstacles to forgiveness is we, we forget that it's part of a process. It's that, it's that decision that you have to make to give up the right to hurt you for hurting me. And so you have forgiveness, then you have reconciliation or restoration, and we combine that whole process into one. And we say, well, if I can't end up being fully restored, fully reconciled, fully forgiven, I'm just not going to have any of it. And Paul says, no, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The last obstacle, well, there's probably a lot of obstacles, but the last one I have for you this morning is forgiveness is not forgetting. You ever been told to forgive and forget? That is a lie. I don't know who came up with that. You need forgiveness because you don't forget. Right? You wake up and you're like, I was doing really well. And I realize that when we talk about this topic, for some of you, you have stuff that's been buried so deep, so far, so long, that this, even the mention of this, just causes the hair on the back of your neck to stand up. You have to, you need forgiveness because we don't forget. It's interesting when the Lord talks about forgiveness in Jeremiah, as he quotes the Lord in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34, he says, for I will remember or forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. It's not that he forgot about your sins. It's not that he just suddenly spaced on it. He chooses not to remember your sin, which is incredible to me that that's what he does. But I think it's an example for you and I to follow. When we think about forgiveness, we don't forget. And so we're doing really well, we're doing really well. And then all of a sudden a word or a phrase or an image or a movie or a song or something calls us back to hearken to when we were struggling to hang on to hurting you for hurting me. And I think if God was going to give us anything, he would say, you need forgiveness because you don't forget. But part of it is choosing not to remember anymore or choosing not to move on from there. In the time we have left, I want to share an account from you out of the Old Testament. If you want to flip in your Bibles over to 1 Kings chapter 1, I'll give you a minute to get there. And uh, if you've never read 1 Kings chapter 1, if you're a uh, screenwriter in here, it, is a, it would be an incredible movie if you could write chapter 1. There's a lot of verses. We're not going to go through all of it today. I'm going to give you a synopsis of the first 48 verses, and then we'll talk about the last five. But there's three characters you need to know about in 1 Kings chapter 1 that illustrate an account that happened, and it's 
so real because it happened to them. And it's so real life because it doesn't end up like you think you, it would end up. And so in 1 Kings chapter 1, there's three people you need to know. First off is David, like David and Goliath fame. David and all the military success that he had. David is a great king. David is a man after God's own heart. David with an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. David who killed Uriah. David who did all these incredible things. Well, at the end of his life, where we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 1, he's old, he's cold, he doesn't have anybody around him who wants to help him. And if there was one word to describe David, he's indifferent. He doesn't care. He's just like, I'm old and I'm tired and I got nothing else to do, which is a good warning for all of us, right? It's so easy to fall into indifference and complacency. Next week, we're going to talk about, uh, to be honest, I don't have any hope. And how despair creeps in and changes the way that we think about life. But David is indifferent. By this time, he's lost three of his kids. Amnon's dead. His second son died when he was an infant. His third son, Absalom's dead. And he's got two boys. Well, he's got more than that, but two boys, Adonijah and Solomon. And David's indifferent because God had told him that Solomon was going to be the next king. And so in the first part of 1 Kings, we see this where David's just kind of indifferent and doesn't care, and he was supposed to set up Solomon as the next king, and he doesn't do that. So Adonijah, his other son, comes in and he says, I'm going to be king. If there was one word to describe Adonijah, it's that he's entitled. So David's indifferent, and Adonijah's entitled, and Adonijah doesn't seek the Lord at all. He just says, I want to be king. So he gets a, a group of people around him, and he says, I want to be king. Do you want me to be king? And they say, yeah, let's, you need to be king. And he sets up this entire kingdom, so to speak, short-term kingdom. And so he sets up this kingdom without checking with anybody. And then finally, Nathan the prophet and Bathsheba walk in, and they're like, David, what have you been doing? You had one job. Don't die and set up the next king. And so what do they do? They tell him that. David realizes he's been indifferent, realizes the problem that that's caused because indifference always creates more problems than it does anything else. And so he sets up Solomon as king, but in the midst of that, that's where we pick up in verse 48, 49, is that Adonijah had set up his kingdom. He's got all these people around him. Jonathan comes in and says, what are you doing? Solomon's the real king. And that's where we pick up here in verse 49. So 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 49. The third person you need to know about in this story is Solomon. And in this particular instance, if there was one word to describe him, it's gracious. So David's indifferent. Solomon's entitled. Or Adonijah's entitled. Solomon is gracious. It says in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 49, at this, all of Adonijah's guests rose in alarm and dispersed. But Adonijah, in fear of Solomon, went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then King Solomon was told, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon and is clinging to the horns of the altar. He says, let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Solomon replied, if he shows himself to be worthy, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. But if evil is found upon him, he will die. Then King Solomon sent men, and they brought him down from the altar, and Adonijah came and bowed to the King Solomon, and Solomon said, go to your home. In the Near East, when somebody decided that they were going to lead a coup against what the rightful king was going to be, Solomon had every right to kill all of these people. And so at verse 49, it says that Adonijah finds out that 
Solomon is the real king, and it says they all run because they want nothing to do with Adonijah. They were throwing a party for him in verses before, but now it's like it's gotten real, and we are out of here. Conflict always seems to reveal who you can trust in your life, and for Adonijah, they were there for the wrong reasons. In your own life, watch that. The next time you appear in a conflict or encounter a conflict, watch the people who stick closest to you. Those are the ones you want. And Adonijah, his friends are gone. And in verse 50, it says that Adonijah, in fear of Solomon, went and took a hold of the horns of the altar. Now, in the Old Testament, prior to Jesus being around, Jesus is the sacrifice that covers all sacrifices. But in the Old Testament, they'd set up an altar where they could have the sacrifices of animals to atone for our sins. This was a common practice for them. Makes sense. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us now, but for them, this was made perfect sense. And they had an altar, and on that altar had horns protruding out of the top of it. And what they would do is they would use the blood of an animal, and they would put it onto those horns, and it would cover over their sins. So this was a big deal. This was super important to them. It also signifies where the presence of God would be, or near where the presence of God would be. And it says in verse 50 that Adonijah, in fear of Solomon, went and he took a hold of those horns. He realized, I got nowhere else to go. My friends are gone. And it's interesting. We don't know the reasoning while he went to the altar. Like, we don't know, was he super sorry and felt bad about his decision and really wanted to make it right with God? I don't think so. Which makes this account all the more interesting because it's so real life. Right? When you choose to forgive someone, you don't know whether they're doing it for the right reasons or whether they, or when someone chooses to forgive, you don't know the reasoning behind it. You don't have the explanation. We're just called to forgive. And Adonijah, maybe he was doing it for the right reasons. I don't think so. He did it because he got caught. Right? That was like the story of my childhood. Sorry because I got caught. Right? I wasn't sorry because I felt bad about my decision. I wasn't sorry because I, I got caught. And Adonijah, at least at this point, he gets caught and he runs to the only place he can think of that'll be safe. He thought, surely, if God is gracious to man at this, at this place, Maybe man will be gracious to me as well. And so he can't think of anything else. And unfortunately, we don't know whether he sought that for the right reasons or not, but he did finally make a good choice. He goes to the altar where sin was atoned for. Now, the, the significance of these horns, we could talk for a long time, but basically this was super important to these people because the blood covered over those, and that's what represented safety or the ability to have a right relationship with God. We know this is so important because in Amos, Later in the Old Testament, God says, because my people have walked away from me and want nothing to do with me, I'll cut the horns off the altar so there's no way for this to be made right. He took it really, really seriously. And so for them, this was a huge deal. And Adam and I just like, I got to go to wherever I can be safe. Pride kept him from turning to God when he was wanting to be king. But he finally did make the decision to turn to God when he got caught. We don't know whether that was for the right reason or not, but he went to the only place he could think of where he would be safe. If you've offended someone or someone has offended you, can I just encourage you to follow this example, whether he did it for the right reasons or not, that if you are struggling, you have to run to God. If you've offended someone, you probably weren't super close to God when you did that, right? If you've been offended by somebody, you realize they're, they've hurt you and other people have hurt you, you've got to run to the one place where you can find grace, mercy, healing, 
That's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so often when we get into a conflict, we think we've got to fix it or talk to a friend or go to a therapist, and those are all probably great things. But we also have to realize that the the only place we're going to find help is just like Adonijah. He ran to the presence of the Lord. Verse 51 says, Then Solomon was told, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon and is clinging to the horns of the altar. He says, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death. So we're told that he's afraid. It's fear. Fear motivated him to do this. We're told that he's literally clinging to the horns of the altar. That has to be our posture. If we've offended someone or someone's offended us, first thing you have to realize is that you've not only offended another person, but you've also offended God. And so you got to ask for forgiveness, certainly from God, but also for other people. And if you're sitting here going, well, I'm doing pretty good right now, just give it a week. You'll say something. You'll do something. You'll have a chance to exercise this in some way. But for Adonijah, he's motivated by fear, which is probably the wrong reasoning to do this. But he did finally figure it out. And he clung to those horns of the altar. This, after all, is the hope of the gospel. Right? That Adonijah, in spite of all that he did, he ran to the only place that could help him. I don't know what you've done in your past, but there's only one way to be one way to be made right with God. And that is through Jesus Christ. And the hope of the gospel is it's not what we did anyways. It's what he's done for us. And so when you look at this account, I get it. We don't understand all the intricacies. And you may be, well, that's kind of a hard stretch. Well, no, it's not. This is real life. We don't know whether the people in your life are asking for forgiveness for the right reasons or not. We don't know that. That's not up to us. The, what's up to us is that there's an expectation that we would forgive. As far as it's possible, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so in the midst of conflict, the hope that we have is the gospel. And it says that Adonijah asked Solomon, he says, Swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Solomon had the power to free Adonijah, or he had the power to kill him or to hurt him. And I think that we have that same power today. When it comes to forgiveness, we have the power to hurt people further or we have the power to say, I forgive you. What we love to do is cling on to, yeah, but I want to do this. And Solomon is faced with this choice. Is he going to free Adonijah? Remember, David was indifferent and Adonijah was entitled, but Solomon was gracious. And if you're looking for how to emulate these men and what it looks like in your life, Solomon himself was an incredible king. He had a lot of other problems. Just keep reading in 1 Kings and you'll see them. But for every good king in Israel, they were all pointing to a better king named Jesus. Matter of fact, when Jesus comes on the scene in Mark chapter 11, he says, uh, there's one greater than Solomon here and it's me, speaking of himself. And so Solomon gives this gracious picture in verse 52 where Solomon replies, if he shows himself to be worthy, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. But if evil is found in him, he will die. Then King Solomon sent men and they brought him down from the altar 
And Adonijah came and bowed down to King Solomon, and Solomon said, go to your help, go back to your home. He shows himself to be worthy. We can forgive people, but it's going to take time for reconciliation. It's going to take time for restoration. And one of the questions that we always ask is, are they really, do they mean it? Did they do it for the right reasons? Did they do it because they got caught? Those are probably good questions to ask regarding reconciliation and restoration, but in regards to forgiveness, that doesn't matter because that's what we're called to do. We are forgiven people who are called to forgive. This is one of the not fun parts of Christianity. This is the part where we're like, I can have forgiveness and eternal life and free from my sin. We're like, sign me up. And then Paul comes along and says, forgive is the Lord Jesus Christ forgave you. And we're like, I don't know about that. And the reason we're not okay is because we've buried years of unforgiveness. And we've buried years of pain and resentment towards other people. And then it just pops up out of nowhere. And we sit there finding ourselves going, what on earth happened? So is there somebody that perhaps you need to forgive? Because forgiveness is always possible, and unfortunately, reconciliation is not always possible. But forgiveness is what starts the reconciliation process. Somebody's got to step out and say, I was wrong. Somebody's got to admit and make the first move. Somebody's got to step forward and say, I screwed up. And that's the kind of people we should be. Not saying that'll be easy, not saying I envy your position if you're in that today. I'm just saying that that's the kind of people we're called to be. As you think about forgiveness, it's that first step in the process. And I would encourage you, even if you can't fully reconcile it, maybe that person's long gone, that at least you would start that process in your own heart. And the reason why this is so important, I believe, is because there will come a day when every wrong that's ever been done to you will be made right. There will come a day when all the pain and suffering that you've endured will be fixed. There is a day coming where the king who does reign, who will properly put into place everything that's went wrong. And so if we can do our part to start to get ready for that day, I believe that forgiveness is part of that equation. Now, the tragic part of this account is that it does not end up in happily ever after. There is no present with a nice bow on it, and we could say, when you want to forgive, check out this story. Because we can, for a moment, see that David was indifferent, and it caused a whole world of problems. We can see that Adonijah was entitled, and he had a whole world of problems. And we can see that Solomon, at least in this moment, was gracious and a picture of how we should act. But Solomon told him, he said, if you are worthy right? If this plays out long term and we can see that this is the way it is, then you can live. But if not, you will die. And what happens? First Kings chapter 2, Adonijah sets out to set himself with greater standing in the kingdom and Solomon kills him. David dies, loses another son before he dies, and tragically it falls apart. And the reason I wanted to share this account with you today is because that is life, unfortunately, for where we're at today. The truth is, is that for those of you who have hurt someone, or those of you that have been hurt, the tragic part is that is where we are at now. We're flawed, we're broken, we're messed up. But the incredible hope is through Jesus Christ, those things can be made right. Those things can be set in right motion. And so your situation may not be completely fixed 
because you came to church today and listened to a sermon on forgiveness. That would be great. I would like that. That would be awesome. But it may not. Which should cause us all the more to long for the day when it all will be. And to do everything in our power today to set in motion what will one day be permanent. Because that is the power that we do have today. And so as you think about forgiveness, you may find yourself saying, I, I don't think I can do this. And I would say, I agree, you can't. I've never met someone that was like, I just thought about forgiveness long enough, and then it was like, ta-da, it ain't going to happen. There's too much pain, there's too much hurt. But the thing about Jesus is, is that he doesn't ask you to do something he hasn't shown you how to do before. So he says, forgive, as the Lord forgave you. What did we talk about last week? Or look at all last weekend. He showed us what it was like to forgive people who literally stabbed him in the back, who literally deserted him and walked out on him, who literally left him alone and suffering on a cross, and he forgave them still. So if you sit there and you say, well, this is, I get it. It's causing problems. It's the outflow of what's inside of me. I get that. And you're like, I, I got no hope this week. You're right. You don't apart from Jesus. And so if you find yourself in that place, I just want to give you three tips as we wrap up our time here, uh, if that's what you need to do this week, is to seek forgiveness. Number one, ask God for help. You may say, like, that seems pretty self-explanatory. Heart change only happens by God's grace. I, I have three kids, and when I want them to do something, it can be rather difficult at times. Sometimes they'll have a stubborn heart. Sometimes they'll just have a defiant heart. And we don't really ever get past that. Right? We're just big kids now. And sometimes we have a stubborn heart or a defiant heart or an unforgiving heart, and the only person that's going to change that is God. And so specifically, I would encourage you to ask God for help to change your heart first and also the heart of the person who's hurt you. Because that's the only way that's going to change. Number two, if you have offended somebody, reach out to that person. Reach out to that person. You may say, well, wait a minute. You just said I could forgive them without anything else happening. You're right. You can. But there is something powerful that happens when we admit that we're wrong. There is something powerful because it humiliates us. It humbles us. And it forces us to realize we were wrong. I was talking with a friend recently who had done something wrong to, to somebody. And I said, how was that? He goes, that was terrible. I said, but do you feel better? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Because he got it off his shoulders. And he recognized the reason we're not okay, to be honest, we're not okay is because we keep all of that down here and we cover it up with a whole host of other things. Last thing to a tip for this week is ask God for help, reach out to the person. And lastly, uh, find a friend to help you hold account, help you hold accountable, be held accountable. You're like, wait a minute, why would I want to do that? Because you won't forget. Because you'll talk about forgiveness today and be like, that's what I got to do. And everything will be going great until you hear a song on the radio this week and suddenly it brings up thoughts and memories that you have and suddenly you have went right back to, I'm going to hurt you for hurting me. And so you need a friend in your life that says, you've forgiven them. You got to choose to forgive them today. And you got to choose to forgive them tomorrow. And you got to choose to forgive them the next day. And you need somebody like that in your life. So David was indifferent. Adonijah was entitled, and Solomon was gracious.
I hope and pray that for you and for me that this week we can be more gracious people. If we've offended somebody, then, then try and make it right. If we've been offended, you have the opportunity to free them or to hurt them further. And I hope you'll choose the example that we see here, at least in chapter one, to be gracious. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the chance that we have this morning to be reminded of the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. And that, God, there's an expectation for us as Christians to be the type of people who forgive others. God, I pray that for each one of us, we would be reminded of the grace that's been shown to us in Jesus Christ, the grace that we saw in Solomon's life, and that, God, that that would mark our lives. We recognize that we will not do that on our own, that we need the help of your son, Jesus, and the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, God, I pray that even now as people are thinking about what's happened in their lives, that they would be honest enough with themselves and that they would be honest with you and they would be honest with the people that they've hurt and they would recognize that that's the first step in moving in the right direction. God, we also praise you for the fact that one day you will make all of this right, that you will cast away our pain, that you will wipe away our tears, that there will be no more sorrow and no more death. But in the meantime, God, I pray that as we seek to see your kingdom built here and around the world, that we would do our part to ask for forgiveness when we need it, to receive it when we need to receive it, and that we would step forward in faith knowing that because we've been forgiven, you've called us to forgive as well. God, we know that this is not possible apart from ourselves. And so we ask for your help in Jesus' name. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.